Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message from our special guest speaker. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at The Bridge Springfield. Okay, uh, I would like Derek to come here. Derek, uh, and I would like to tell you a couple of words about Derek preaching today. Neil, got, Neil Haney, our senior pastor, was supposed to preach today, but he got real sick. Yes, and I was going through a lot. You know, my mom passed away last week, and we were going to preparation for funeral. We couldn't go there. And on Saturday, we had our funeral meal and kind of uh, memorial gathering of the family that is on this side of the globe. So because of this man picked up the ball, I could have my family reunion and family memorial meal, and Pastor Neil could recover without trying hard to kill himself. Well, first of all, I would like us to honor Pastor Neil. Why don't you help me to just clap as a recognition how much we love him? He's watching right now. So, Neil, I know you're missing it a lot, but you're watching right now. Don't worry, buddy. We got you. Okay, and now I would like to introduce to you Derek Ellis, and I want to pray for him and release him to minister the Word of God to us. Father, I thank you for my brother Derek. Father, and right now as the body of Christ, we open our hearts to receive your speaking through him. Father, thank you for anointing him. Thank you for calling him. Thank you for filling him with your spirit, with your peace, with your joy. Lord, bless your body through Derek today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's hear the word. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good. Awesome. You guys are on a better foot than I am. Um, so Friday, found out Pastor Neil was sick, and he called. He was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. Will you step in? Um, and I had preached on Thursday um, at Spiritual Emphasis Week, and he was like, hey, um, maybe you can just use the message that you already preached, tweak it a little bit, right? Um, but God has a sense of humor. And when I sat down to preach, I mean, to like write it out, um, he was like, no, I have something brand new for you. Um, and so much anxiety. I'm not even going to lie. I was up until 4 a.m. last night because I couldn't sleep. And then it's fine. I'm here. I'm smiling. I had coffee. We're good. We're fine. No worries, folks. But it was, you know, it was funny because Thursday I preached a message called Embrace Your Weakness. And then I can't sleep. And I don't have a message prepared. And I'm just like, I don't like it when God uses me as an object lesson of like, this is what it looks like to embrace your weakness. Um, no thanks. Um, so be careful what messages you preach. Um, but yes, honestly, it's great to be with you guys again. Um, as I, when the message was finally done at 4.30 this morning, um, I was excited. I was actually excited to share with you guys today. Um, and right now, we are journeying through the heart of the new covenant right? We're in the middle of a series called The Heart of the New Covenant, where we're journeying through the book of Ephesians. And if you'll remember, Ephesians has been described by theologians as the Grand Canyon 
of the New Testament, right? Because Paul gives us this expansive view, this wide, wide view, panoramic view of this new covenant, this covenant between God the Father and Jesus that we're grafted into now because of what Jesus has accomplished. So when I spoke to you guys last two weeks ago, I mentioned that as we progress through Ephesians, we are going to be transitioning from the theoretical to the practical, if you guys remember me saying that. Because the way that Paul structures his letters is the first half is theoretical. What has Jesus done and who are we because of that? And then the second half is the practical answering the question, how do we live in light of what Jesus has done? I'm going to move that right there. Um, can I be honest with you guys about something? I've already been, so it can't stop me now, and I have the microphone. Um, sometimes, when I read the practical portions of Paul's letters, I feel really confused. Because it feels like there's this weird dramatic shift Okay, like Paul begins with Jesus paid it all and you're so loved and, you know, you're adopted and you're free and you're redeemed. And then all of a sudden it feels like the hammer drops and then it's like dance for me, monkey. Like there's all of these like rules, right? It seems like he shifts all of a sudden. And honestly, it kind of reminds me of mystery novels. I know, odd shift, but bear with me. I've had two and a half hours of sleep. So um, now one of the things you may not know about me is I am obsessed with mystery novels, obsessed with them. Does anybody else love a good mystery novel? Okay, there we go. Um, Yeah, I love a good murder mystery. I honestly need to be very careful about saying that. Lily's going to, like, cut, like, this clip for social media, and it's just going to be like, I love a good murder, and then the FBI is going to be on my doorstep next week. Um, I'm trusting you, Lily. Um, But no, seriously, I love a good mystery novel. Agatha Christie, that's my homegirl right there, okay? Some of you are like, I had to read her for school. I'm like, I read her during the summer in my spare time. But what I love right? What I love about a good mystery novel is the plot twist, okay? Where the story transforms, and what you thought to be fact, what you thought was true, was just an illusion. And actually, I base, my wife will ask me, she's like, how was that book? And I was like, "Mm," plot twist was like, "Mm." or I'm like, oh, the plot twist. It was so good. It sent shivers down my spine, right? I will actually judge it on how well, like how good was this book by how well I was misled by the author. I like that. I like feeling dumb, right? (laughs) It's so much fun. But you know where I don't like it? I don't like plot twists when I'm reading scripture, right? For some of us, getting to the practical portions of Paul's letters feels like this not-so-fun plot twist, right? And the plot twist feels like this. Jesus has done his part. Now what are you going to do, right? 
And as a recovering perfectionist, anybody else relate to that? Yep, amen, yes, and amen. My response is immediately, I want to do better. I want to do better, Jesus, right? That's the good Christian answer to that. So then I jump onto the performance treadmill. Okay, cool, cool. Jesus did his part. That's Ephesians 1 through 3. And now I need to do my portion of this. That's where the striving comes in. Does anybody else relate to that? Yeah. But if we're honest with ourselves, all of our effort to live for God falls flat. It can feel hopeless because we want to live in alignment with God's word. That's not a bad thing, right? We want to live differently, but it seems that we can't get it right. We can't get it right. But what if I told you that as we journey through today's text, there's not actually a plot twist? What if I told you God's grace isn't what just saves us? What if I told you that grace empowers you? Right? Grace empowers you. That the grace that crowns you in Ephesians 1 and raises you from the dead in Ephesians 2 is, this, is present in Ephesians 4. Empowering you to live in alignment with God's heart. Is that hard to believe? Let's look at this. If you want to follow along in your Bibles or follow along on the screen, we're going to be camping out in Ephesians 4. Starting in verse 17, I'm going to be reading through the entire passage uh, first, and then we'll go back and take it section by section. So starting in verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way that you learned Christ. Assuming that you've learned about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal. Let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so he may have something to share. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that may give grace to those who hear. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgive you. Christ forgave you. Let's pray. 
Jesus, I pray for your wisdom. I pray for your spirit of revelation to fall in this room today. I'm surrendered to you. We are surrendered to you, Lord. Open our minds and open our hearts to receive what you have to say today. In Jesus' name, amen. So starting back in verse 17, let's unpack this. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. So what is Paul saying here? Paul is setting the stage for us for what it looks like to live in your own strength. He says, don't live like the Gentiles do because the Gentiles have chosen to trust in the futility of their mind, meaning in their own strength, in their own power, in their own understanding. And listen, friends, the fruit of living by your own strength leads to pride. It leads to pride. And Paul here says that the hardness of heart has alienated them from the life of God. The two cannot coexist, okay? You cannot be filled with pride and self-sufficiency and leave room for God to move. It's either or, okay? Why is this? Because when we trust in our own strength, this is going to be a hard statement, maybe as well, but when we trust in our own strength, we set ourselves up as God's. And as long as you're your own God, you will never make room for God and his grace to move in power in your life. And left to our own devices, we do what the Gentiles did, given themselves to practice every kind of impurity. So Paul's encouraging us, don't try to empower yourself, okay? Empowering yourself is not what people who know Jesus do, right? So listen to this next part. This is not the way you learned Christ. See, self-empowerment, trusting in your own strength, is not the way of Jesus. It's not the way forward, What is the way forward? Let's look at verse 22. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. See, prior to Jesus, our old man, our former way of operating was the exact same as the Gentiles, living by our own strength. And we see here, the old man was corrupt by deceitful desires. So now living in Jesus, we don't have to live from self-empowerment anymore or self-improvement. That's a whole industry out there, right? It's a religion all of its own. Self-empowerment, self-improvement. There's sections in Barnes and Noble and Amazon that are self-improvement. My favorite is Christian self-improvement books. Like, If you look on Amazon, I'll be like, Christian, self-improvement. I'm like, that's an oxymoron if I ever saw one, right? But self-empowerment, self-improvement, that's part of our old nature, okay? Always trying to fix ourselves and make ourselves better. Leave that to people who don't know Jesus, okay? Our faith is not a pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps kind of faith. So stop trying, 
Now that you're in Jesus, this old self, this old way of operating where we're trying to get better, we're on the treadmill of performance, it doesn't fit us anymore. Okay? The putting on that language that Paul uses is talking about like clothing. Right? So now that old way of living, it's, it's ill-fitting. It doesn't fit you anymore. You've outgrown it. Stop trying to put it on. Okay? Instead, verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Friend, you're a brand new creation. Brand new creation. If you're looking for a plot twist, here it is. You used to not know grace. Used to walk in your own strength and your own understanding, but now you've met and encountered and experienced Jesus who's grace incarnate. And now you're brand new. You're not the same. Grace has clothed you with a new self. Brand new man. Brand new being. And that new being is created in what? The likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That is characteristic now of who you are. So there's no striving to be better when you're already clothed with everything that you need. You were formed in the likeness of God. True righteousness, holiness are now markers of who you are. You didn't do anything to deserve that, by the way. That wasn't because of good performance that you reached some level of true righteousness and holiness. It's a free gift of his grace. Receive it. That's your job. If you're going to ask, what do I need to do? Receive it. Allow it to work in your life. That's your job. The reality is that you're clothed with the likeness of God, and now it is no longer your nature at play. It's his nature at play. His grace, he's given you his very likeness, his very nature, and now you're empowered by something way beyond yourself. It is his strength, not your own, that empowers you to live out the verses I just talked about. Do you see why living from your own strength is foolishness? God has given you his very nature to empower you by grace to live differently. So receive it. And when you receive this grace, you're going to be able to do things that you couldn't do in your own understanding and your own strength. And honestly, this reminds me of my almost two-year-old son who's climbing on the chairs in the front row. Um, Like I said, first time I preached, I I have three kids um, Ava, Nora, and then Rhett, not Rat, Rhett. If you thought that I said Rat, you wouldn't be the first person to give me like this horrified look, like, oh my God, he's so cute. What's his name? Rhett. Oh, that's an interesting name. Like they thought I said Rat. And I'm like, no, 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 no. No. Now, if you know anything about two year olds, they love to be independent. And Rhett Matthew is no different, okay? 
He's very insistent that he is a big boy, and he can do all things by himself. Thank you very much. Now, the problem is, is that frequently what Rhett wants to do is outside of his strength and ability to accomplish, right? Doesn't matter to him. (laughs) He's still going to try it. For example, my family and I like to go to Moorfield Park Playground over on Moorfield Road when the weather's nice and the kids need to burn off energy and I need to be left alone. (laughs) Don't judge me. (laughs) There's three of them and two of us, and sometimes you need a break and to be left with your thoughts. Now, what, and, and you would think, right, that they would just go off and play, but Rhett doesn't like to play on the equipment that's his size because that would just make too much sense. Um, he likes to play where his sisters are playing, right? So it's on the, all the equipment that's way too big for him, right? And being independent, he attempts to navigate the playground by himself, And he's struggling and frustrated and exhausted, but if I offer him help, he smacks my hand. No, Dad. I've got this. But let me tell you something. Eventually, there comes a point when he becomes exhausted and worn out, and he reaches out for my hand. He gives up. And in that moment, my strength becomes his, right? He becomes clothed with my likeness, my power, my help. And a natural byproduct of that, right, is now this playground equipment's so easy to navigate. He can reach steps he couldn't before. He can go down the taller slides and he can reach the taller equipment. Why? Because in embracing grace, help, my power, my strength became available to him. He's doing things a normal two-year-old can't do because it's no longer his power at play. It's no longer his power at play. It's mine. And it's not that Red does anything to empower himself. It's only in receiving. He simply reaches out his hand and he receives. And I'm right there. I'm right there going, I wanted to help you all along. I don't think God's quite as sassy with us as I am with my kids. Um, But it gets me through the day. Um, So... (laughs) No filter, Derek's a lot of fun, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. Um, But what are we empowered to do, right? When we reach out to God, what can we do now? Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth. Be angry, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building up. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger be put away 
Forgive. Be tender. First thing that I want you guys to notice here is that Paul is simply reiterating, right? Put off the old self. Put on the new. This isn't about behavioral changes or performance. It's about living out who we are in Christ by the power of God's grace. You used to steal. That was the old you, living by your own strength. You have God's grace now. Do honest work. You used to be angry. Set that aside. That's not who you are. You used to grieve the Holy Spirit. You have God's grace now. You're sealed for the day of redemption. Do you see how grace empowers us? Do you see that these are not things that we can do in our own strength, no matter how hard we try? But praise God because he's provided us with new life in Jesus. Let's pray really quickly, and then I'm going to lead us into an activation really quickly. Jesus, your grace empowers us. Your grace empowers us, Lord. And today, we are open We are open to your power moving in our life. Now, as the worship team is coming up, I want everyone to go ahead and stand with me. And in a posture of receiving, I just want you to go ahead and put your hands out in front of you. And go ahead and close your eyes. And the activation that I want to lead you in today is I want you to ask Holy Spirit to help you to identify one area. What is one area of your life where you're leaning on your own understanding? What is one area of your life where you're leaning on your own strength where you're leaning on your own power, where you're on that performance treadmill and you have been trying and trying and trying and trying to do better and all of your efforts seem to be falling short. And I want you to, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a chronic sin issue in your life. But I want you to imagine holding that in the palm of your hand before God. And I want you to repeat this after me. Jesus, I'm putting off the old me. I am done trying to do this in my own strength. 
I put on the new me, made in your likeness. And I am trusting your grace to move in power in my life. Amen. Church, I believe that God wants us to be marked as a people empowered by his grace. A people who are not living in their own strength, but who have put on the new self and are living out who they are in Christ by the power of his grace alone. Amen. Amen. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for this time that we've had together today as we enter into worship, Lord. We just want to marvel at your grace. We want to marvel at what you've accomplished. We want to marvel and celebrate you as this gracious God who's given us everything that we need. You've given us your very likeness and your very nature. Jesus, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.